Little Passports offers award-winning kits designed for curious kids to fuel their inner explorer. Whether building a solar-powered robot or creating a Spanish mosaic, kids ages 3 to 10 will love learning with Little Passports. Little Passports is offering new customers 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com AMR. Run in seamless comfort. Runderwear makes performance underwear and base layer pieces that are always super comfortable and chafe-free, made from breathable, wicking fibers. Save 20% with code AMR20 at runderwear.com AMR. Get the support you need from our partner Handful, the maker of our favorite sports bras. Choose from seven styles of bras in an array of colors. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HandfulAMR15. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Liz Waterstrott. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. I feel like I just saw you. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it was just a few days ago. I know. We are recording this episode, um, this part, a week early. So, yeah, so we just, I just drove you and Coach Jen to the airport. I guess that was just two days ago. Seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like sometimes, I'm sure you do too, as, as a business owner and mom, every day is, is a lifetime. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I pause and I'm like, yesterday? Yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and we had some, um, I felt it was bonding time, some more in a pool, a different pool than the one we talked about on what is last week's episode, uh, the hotel pool. And, yeah. And so our hotel for our retreat on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, um, so this is the third time I've been to this hotel. I went there on a site visit and now we've had two retreats there and it has this large, um, gosh, I mean, the pool kind of looks like the handful bras logo. I mean, it, or like a really inflated wishbone. Um, yeah. yeah. So if you can think of another analogy, please throw it out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to describe it just as a, a U, uh -huh. yeah. like a U shape. Yes, but but with very chubby, because um, it has a big part where where normal yes. people would just frolic. Um, yes. So no frolicking for us. And um, so that rec center that we talked about on the uh, episode that we recorded at the retreat had really kind of wonky hours. It didn't mesh with our um, our what we needed to do at the retreat. So I had thought I was like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to swim on Saturday. And then in the middle of the night, I'm like, light bulb moment. There's an enormous pool outside <laughs> right here at our yeah. hotel. So I go down there and I'm not the only person who had that great <laughs> idea. There you are already swimming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the day before I had really thought this through, I checked the pool hours and it's very unusual for a pool to be open I that know. early. But yes. the hour said sunrise, which according to my Koros watch uh -huh. was 6.39 a.m. <laughs> so I was down there and, and and swimming. And, you know, when we were there two years ago, the water in the pool was way too cold. It was oh. like they weren't heating it. But oh. I would say it was it was around 84 degrees mm. when we were in it. I love that so. you know what it was. I just knew that it wasn't uncomfortable well, to get I mean, into. Again, my Koros watch tells me after every swim, the no. temperature of the water that I'm no, in. No, it does not. Yes, it does. When you do the download and you go to the app on your phone. I'm doing this right now as you're talking. Okay. I mean, I um, know that my pool at my gym yesterday was 84 degrees, which is excessively hot for an indoor pool. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's, that's one of the nice things about this watch. One so of the go, many nice things. So, but do you think, okay, so I have an Apex. You have a different one. Um, ah, I have the Pace 2. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Where would it show? Um, mine's not saying that. I, I love that we're doing this on the podcast. Well, uh, the thing, it's, the, it's the on reason, the app. It's well, on the, the app. I'm, I'm on the app. Um, the reason I'm all itchy chi as my husband would say about this, is that, which means excited, is that then I'd finally be able to get an answer as to the temperature of the pond that I swim in. Ah, yeah. Because yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it's on your phone. So, so chorus has an app that you yeah. install oh, onto yeah, your yeah. phone mm -hmm. and then you go into the actual swim workout. Yeah. I and know. if you scroll down, mm -hmm. mine says strokes, 
mm-hmm. stroke rate, and then it says oh, water, water temperature. temperature. Yeah. Water temperature. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. It's so good. I'm sitting down right now. <laughs> Because now I can go back. It's, it's sort of like, I mean, but as a coach, it's, it's one of the most useless metrics. I think you could, you could track, you, you know, unless you were trying to make some type of correlation between heart rate and, and how you decouple over a workout based on uh-huh. temperature and heart rate. But, um, I'm glad that you're really excited about this. I, I am. And mine says it was 81, but that was the day that was Monday. I should mm. see what it was on that Saturday. But then also, boy, I tell you, as soon as we finish recording, I am going back and looking. It still says 81 for Saturday. Um, Interesting. uh, I'm going back and seeing what that pond of mine was in October. And yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm all sorts of jazzed about it. (laughs) You're just going to start getting into random bodies of water in Portland. (laughs) Yes. Just to see what the water temp is. Yes. yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, and um, I also loved, so this is... This is really getting kind of geeky, but that um, I asked you, I was like, well, we can't use uh, the, you know, lap swimming feature on the Koros and because it's an unusual shaped pool and because, but because I was there, I thought, well, it's pool thus equals lap swimming. You're like, I'm doing it on open water. Yeah. And it's such a, I sound like an absolute idiot, but that was such an epiphany for me because just because it was a pool doesn't mean that you can't swim in, you know, kind of a non-conventional way that makes it open water. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think though, if we like, let's say we're at a hotel that had an indoor pool, Uh I don't think you'd be able to use that open water feature or even Uh the run feature because, you know, you would, Mm -hmm. you would be indoors, but it was, it sure was nice that it was outdoors and it was able to pick up the satellites. Exactly. Because then, and you and I set some ground rules. It was like, and, and also you weren't, we weren't <laughs> going to talk for long, but, but it was just like, okay, pretend we're cars and we always pass on the right. <laughs> and so for a while we were kind of doing almost a triangulation. Um, yes. People kind of envision a wishbone from one, the lower down left one to the top of the wishbone, then down to the lower right one and back. And I'm like, oh no, 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 I'm a shark in an aquarium. And so then I started swimming the parameter of the, you know, the, the outer part of it. And so that I kind of traced the whole wishbone over and over and over again. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 You know, you know, you really know that you found your people <laughs> when you show up at the hotel pool at 639 in the morning and you're not the only one there. Yes. And, and then, and the best part was the next day. And I mean, I'll, I'll do something like that once I, uh-huh. you know, it, it's kind of like running on a treadmill to me, it, it, like, like you're swimming, but you're not really swimming. So I did it once, but the next morning I look out the hotel window and there's Dimity, Laurel was in there. You were in there. I, it was it was like a master's practice in this hotel pool, and then not even and the sun had just come up. So and awesome. it was like, so awesome. Don't your people rest? <laughs> because because Laurel, who's one of our ambassadors, Bam ambassador, she lives um, near Kansas City, and so she hadn't anticipated needing a swimsuit, and she's training for, as you know, she, you're she's using you and Jen as a coach, or she's hiring you and Jen. Mm-hmm as a coach Mm -hmm. for her half Ironman this summer. So, you know, she is, um, you know, too legit to quit. And (laughs) so she was like, okay, I need a good suit to swim in. So she she was there with her aunt and they go out and she buys a two-piece bathing suit, but the bottom is very much, um, you know, kind of Buenos Aires, um, you know, (laughs) kind of thong type thing. Um, And so um, she put on a pair of underwear running. Oh my gosh. Hipster (laughs) underwear because they are quite modest. I mean, they cover your belly button. They cover your entire butt cheeks. And, And so it looked like, I mean, there are far less modest bikini bottoms and so she was swimming in those and then her new patterned you know swimsuit tops <laughs> oh my gosh they're never going to invite us back to this hotel again <laughs> no 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 they're, but then they're gonna they're gonna have they're gonna change it it's it's gonna be like not open until 10 a.m yeah. must wear appropriate swimwear no swimming laps <laughs> right right although our race organizer when i told him he was like 
I think you're the first people who've ever swam laps there. And um, also it's, but because it's an unusual shape, they can't cover it. So I think that's why they have to have, you know, they say sunrise. Oh, come on. What, what could have stopped us from getting in there? And they have that tiki hut, which plays, they have bands there, which is like an open party scene right on the beach, right underneath our windows that plays have they have bands or people playing music seven nights a week until 10 p.m so for us that's late yeah and and it disturbs our sleep well if our splashing disturbs some people's morning sleep mm, (laughs) karma's a bitch people (laughs) hey did i did i see some video of you on instagram just cutting a rug to some song during karaoke you sure did take it on the run ario speedwagon oh my gosh Oh my god! I got a good laugh out of that. You, and you were you were dancing, but it was very gingerly that you were dancing as to protect your your hip flexor or whatever's going on. Is it? It wasn't. You, and <laughs> you could tell, like I could tell, there was a little hitch in your uh, in your giddy up. Yes, and also, uh, Dimity and I walked down to the um, farewell party together, and I'm like, okay, Dimity, I'm not going to be dancing as much as I usually do. I'm really, I'm not going to, you know, do any more harm to my whatever this weird injury is, and I'm seeing a PT tomorrow. And so I'm like, okay, so don't think anything's greater is wrong. It's just I'm, I'm taking it easy. Oh my gosh, the uh, moment I don't the music- think you took it easy. Yeah, no, the moment the music started, I just was like, screw that, I'm dancing. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to ask you if wine dulled the pain, but did you wake up the next day in more pain? Oh, that's everybody the next morning when I go down there and they're like, oh my gosh, Sarah, you're not limping any worse than you were yesterday. I'm like, I know, like maybe the pain ticked up one notch, but that's it. Well, um, so maybe and- I know you can't run, but you could do Zumba <laughs> or jazzercise. There we go. There we go. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, and I wasn't drinking. All the, I mean, I just love karaoke. I love dancing. Um, and people did, and I only did the ones, I was only really on the mic for one song that take it on the run. Um, and then I was back up for Rick Astley, you know, the never going to let you go song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. I'm really sad that that Jen and I uh, had to head home. You, you need to stick around because I mean, it was the end of the KJ, the karaoke jockey. He was so into it in the, in a totally non-creepy way. Like he was (laughs) loving how enthusiastic all of us were. He was singing along, you know, behind his turntable. He just thought we were the bee's knees. It was, it was awesome. And, um, Melissa, our retreat coordinator has already, this guy's name is Scott has already been like, well, Scott, we'll pay you if you don't, if you want to come out to our Portland retreat and KJ for us, you'll have to pay your own travel, but we, you know, he charges a pretty hefty fee. She's like, we'll pay your fee. Um, so yeah. Oh my gosh. And, um, two bammers opened up with baby got back and one woman's a really good dancer, Lisa. And she, um, it's an appropriate song for her to do. Um, she did it at her wedding. So I'm not, I'm not saying anything that she doesn't already know. Um, (laughs) This is an act then that she brings on the road. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that just set the stage. And then ultimately the uh, the song that I love best that people did was um, All That Jazz from Chicago. Got a lot of people up there and some really great dancing. And one woman, oh my gosh, it was her first retreat. Her name's Sue. And she just impromptu start, there were speakers on either side, which were kind of attached to a pole. And so she starts doing like dances that would kind of make Catherine Zeta-Jones blush from, you know, from the movie. <laughs> and Scott, whoa, Scott whoa, whoa, whoa. Which movie? Chicago. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So, and Scott, Scott says, um, my, please don't use my speakers as a stripper pole. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so we gave See, her- ground rules, all sorts <laughs> of ground rules, all sorts of violations were made this weekend. Yeah. So, so, uh, we gave Sue a round of applause the following morning and because I feel badly, <laughs> I, I think she got so embarrassed. She got so mortified. I think she went up to her room. I think she called it a night after that. Oh my gosh. Um, which That's is- how I felt when the lifeguard yelled at us at the pool. 
Oh, yes, yes. That same the, sense of shame. The wreck one. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> don't shame me while I'm doing something I love and that brings right. me joy. <laughs> it brings out our, like the guilty child in all of us. Yeah. So the it really made my retreat when um, somebody said the next morning, they were like, Sarah, the look on your face as you watched everybody singing and dancing was just priceless. You were so happy and delighted. And I was like, I am so glad to know that it showed through because I just, yeah. to me, it just spoke volumes of yeah. where we are, where we have come. I mean, particularly since it was our last hurrah before we went into lockdown and it was, it was a thing of beauty. It was awesome. And I mean, I also love it that it's all women except for the KJ, like who needs yeah. men to have a good time. It was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah. It has to be good just to stand back and you know, to, to reflect on how you and Dimity have brought those people together. It, I, mean, I, really, I, I, do, I do, I do think that too. Yes. And yeah. that, um, to give people that all of us, everybody on team AMR, you, Jen, you know, um, Christy Scott, the other coach who is there, you know, everybody who's there mm -hmm. gives people the license to, um, express what they're feeling, to be their true selves and to pursue their passion, whatever that may be. And that evening, you know, there were a lot of people that that was their passion to be up there on that stage and to give people that space. Cause how often do you know, women of a certain age really get to cut loose and let their hair down like that. Um, Correct. Yep. And uh, oh my gosh, the, the me playing air guitar to take it on the run. Um, I saw that, that was, <laughs> so, I was worried that you might like strain a pec muscle during that. That was very, very, uh, there was a lot of emotion and movement and head banging and hair. So, so that I, I will, I will end this after this, that, <laughs> that um, one of the um, students and one of the girls that my son, John dances with um, saw it on Instagram stories and sent a link to him and said with the caption that said, I love your mother. <laughs> I'm like, my work here is done. <laughs> A teenage girl thinks I'm awesome. <laughs> a teenage girl who dances thinks I'm awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Liz. Well, I could laugh about karaoke and swimming <laughs> in funny shape pools with you all day, but um, let's get on to uh, introducing our guest, who today is pro runner and newly minted book author, Molly Huddle. Molly is an American long distance runner who competes in track and cross country running events, everything from the 5K to the marathon. Molly set an American record in the 10,000 meters at the 2016 Olympics and finished 12th in the 2019 London Marathon in her PR time of 2.26.33. Molly just had her first book debut, which she wrote with Sarah Slattery. It's called How She Did It, Stories, Advice, and Secrets to Success from 50 Legendary Distance Runners. It features 50 interviews with top female runners. Molly also enters a new chapter of her life this spring when her first baby is due. Liz and I look forward to talking with Molly after this break. Stay with us. When it comes to running apparel and accessories, we know nothing compares to trying something on and feeling the fabric. So here's another retreat anecdote. When gals checked in, we had a size run of handful Wyback bras for them to try on. The Wyback is my favorite style of handful bra, so I want to turn folks onto it. Patty, a mother runner from my home state of Connecticut, was skeptical about the pull over the head style. I assured her I'd had the same concerns, having done way more than my fair share of awkward wiggly moves to strip off a wet bra post run, and I encouraged her to give it a go. After trying it on, Patty was a convert, telling me the bra is stretchy enough to remove, yet still supportive. Patty, after running hundreds of miles in my handful of Wyback bras, I couldn't have summed it up any better. The Wyback is one of seven styles of bras Handful makes, including the closer, which zips up the front if pullover truly isn't your thing. All Handful bras are made from smooth, quick-dry fabric and have removable pads. Follow our lead and fall in love with Handful bras. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HandfulAMR15. Again, that 15% code is HandfulAMR15 at Handful.com. When was the last time you were doing something that was so fun you lost track of time? When you're a kid, the right activity can help you find a completely new world to lose yourself in. Help your child find that fun with Little Passports. Little Passports offers globally inspired, award-winning kits designed for curious kids to fuel their inner explorer. 
Each month, Little Passports will send a kid packed with play-based activities, interactive crafts, puzzles, games, and stories to help them have fun while they learn about the world. Whether building a solar power robot, creating a Spanish mosaic, or cooking tasty Brazilian treats, kids ages three to 10 will love learning with Little Passports. Each kit contains activities that are perfect for their age and match to their interests. And Little Passports makes the perfect gift for parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, godparents, and educators. Choose from month to month, six month, or even 12 month subscriptions, whichever is right for you. And you can stop at any time. Share the world with your little explorers with Little Passports. There's always something new to discover. Now, when Little Passports arrived at our home, my kids couldn't wait to dig in. They were mesmerized, and I was able to enjoy a few hours of free time knowing they were engaged in something not only fun, but educational. For listeners of the show, Little Passports is offering new customers 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com slash AMR. That's 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com slash AMR. littlepassports.com slash AMR. At our recent retreat, every attendee got a pair of underwear running underwear, their choice of a thong or boy short style. And I sported two underwear base layers that I am in love with. But the best underwear spotting at our retreat was courtesy of triathlete and training Laurel, who wore her modest underwear briefs along with a tri-top while swimming laps in the hotel pool. In addition to being super versatile, Runderwear is the original performance underwear for running. Runderwear's mission is to eliminate the discomfort caused by ill-fitting underwear and to create seamless performance running underwear, basewear, and socks that are supremely comfortable, moisture-wicking, and chafe-free. Runderwear also uses its clever seamless technology in the brand's base layers like my new favorite winter-spring running top, the women's long-sleeve running base layer. This flattering, uber-comfortable top features built-in hand-warming mitts and dynamic heat control that allows you to run warm in the coldest of climates without overheating. I fell so hard in love with the blue one I first got, I immediately bought a black one. And now I'm seriously eyeing the pink version. Save 20% on everything Runderwear makes using a special code exclusively for our audience. Use code AMR20 to save 20% at runderwear.com slash AMR. That's R-U-N-D-E-R-W-E-A-R.com slash AMR and code AMR20. Runderwear.com slash AMR, code AMR20. Welcome, Molly. Thank you so much for making time for us during this very busy time in your life. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me on the show. Hi. So, Molly, how did you get started in running? Um, for me, I got started just by watching uh, my dad run when I was younger. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to someone in their family, whether it's like a sibling or a parent got into the sport maybe ahead of them. So yeah, I had I have a twin sister and two older sisters, and I was kind of the only one that caught on to running. And so I ran a lot with my dad um, in kind of like junior high, high school time frame. And I picked up steam when I started to – I did play other sports, but I um, – just had a had a bigger talent for running that became more evident like my last year of high school when I actually started to train year round and sort of the rest has been history since then. Mm, mm. And does your twin sister does is she athletic in any way? She is not. No. Wow. <laughs> I, my two older sisters like do a little bit of running for fun um, mm -hmm. now, just recreationally in life. But yeah, I was the only one who. I think I'm the most like, um, com I love competing. I think mm -hmm. my other three sisters are more into like performing and creating and mm -hmm. arts and stuff. And I'm, I like competing. So that was my mm -hmm. thing. All right. All right. Um, all right. So speaking of competing, reading your race results, I was struck by the numerous thrilling results you've had, and I'm not going to enumerate them all. I just will tell people to go to your Wikipedia page because it makes for fascinating, gripping reading. So, and for me, the one that stood out was your 2016 Olympic 10,000 meters race in which you set an American record in the distance and the world record was broken in that race. So can you share a bit about how thrilling that race must've been? Oh yeah, that was crazy. Um, and I, and times are taking off even to another level now. So this story, like the perspective is a little different uh, <laughs> in the current context of, of running times, but um, yeah, it was just, I'd had a year where I just was really focused, you know, I had a disappointment in 2015 with the, how the world championships went on my end. And so I just really wanted to try and make the most of the Olympics coming up the next year. And 
I luckily um, had avoided injury. I'd avoided illness. I was in the shape of my life. And so, you know, I was just in Rio feeling good and ready to actually race in whatever scenario was thrown at me. And luckily my coach, Ray Tracy, he's very good at like predicting likely scenarios and predicting your fitness. So he, he was like, okay, you know, I've watched quite a few of these Olympic finals in my day, like the women's 10K has been going out really hard. You have players in there who like to go out hard. So don't be afraid if um, you go out well ahead of your PR. I Hmm. think my PR at the time was maybe 30, 48 or 30, 40s maybe. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, you might go out in 15 10 for your first 5k and I was like oh gosh like there's days where that's a good 5k for me period (laughs) so I'm I'm gonna have to do that twice Um, but I'm glad he said that because really quickly the race separated into like the top eight women and everybody else and I just Mm. I was like get with the top eight like do not be afraid to go out hard Mm. Um, and and luckily it didn't feel you know I wasn't like lactic or anything but Mm -hmm. we were running hard and um, I wasn't really keeping track of splits until I started to lose the field, which happened kind of quickly. It happened at like two and a half miles into a six mile race. Um, and I looked over at the clock and I think I, at 5k, I looked over and I had, you know, been gapped by quite a few seconds already. And I went through 5k in like 1455 or something like that. Wow. Wow. And I was like, oh boy, this is either going to be good or bad the second half. <laughs> but, uh, luckily I felt good. And so I just, even though I didn't have anyone to run with, I kind of just tried to like take splits to stay on. Um, I knew Shalane's American record was in reach. Mm-hmm. And so I just was clicking off 73s, um, trying to keep track of who was lapped and who lapped me. And um, I think I was like one of the last people not lapped in that race. So I knew there was nice. some world records up front. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was strange. I was a little disappointed because the medals were so far out of reach for me. Mm. But then at the same time, I think everybody ahead of me either PR'd or set a national record or set a world record. So I was just kind of had to be happy with what I did on the day. But yeah, that was, it's one of the wilder races I've been in when I look back on it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like that. Yeah. Wow. So later that same year in 2016, you ran your debut marathon in New York city and you finished third in a time of 228.13. Wow. How did you, how did you feel about that? Was that a surprise to you or what did you think of the marathon distance? Oh my gosh. Yeah. New, I don't know if either of you have run New York city marathon. It's just mm-hmm. yeah. such a amazing, um, vibe. And I'm so glad I had a good experience there in my first race. And I had no idea what to expect other than I'd watched my friends and training partners race there before me. And so I'd been to the city on marathon weekend, I'd seen them, you know, hurting (laughs) coming up the last 5k. And I knew it was a hard course. I knew it wasn't a PR course. Um, I still remind people of that today when someone has a great performance there. I'm like, yeah, and it's not a PR course. So they Mm -hmm. they have time in the bank still. Um, Uh But yeah, I just had no idea if I was even going to be good at the marathon or could even finish that race. You know, I just I it's such an unknown. And so I kind of just remember letting some people go in the beginning stages of the race and thinking, you know, you want to have a good experience. Um, You know, you're fit, but you didn't have, you know, I had a few little injuries in my buildup and I was just running off like excitement. I think like I've had a lot of good races like that, where it's like my preparation doesn't look 100% on paper, but I'm very um, excited to be there and like, it's just a good frame of mind to be in. And so I definitely had that that day. Um, and I just was, you know, again, I found myself alone for a lot of the race because I had let some people go because I was just nervous if I could handle uh, that pace for 26.2 miles. And um, luckily in the park, I ended up passing, I think, two people uh, to move up to third. Or maybe I passed one or two women before the park. Um, and also with most marathons, you'll have one or two people drop out ahead of you. So, <laughs> so things just kind of picked up, picked up, picked up the last 10 K uh, of the race. And I found myself in third and I was chasing down second. I think Sally Kipiego ahead of me was, um, maybe 10 seconds or 11 seconds ahead of me. So oh, it was wow. fun to be able to try and chase someone down to the finish line, at least by that point. Yeah. Wow. 
That's thrilling. Oh my goodness. Um, and so between the, what, what ends up being your favorite distance to run? I mean, did you fall in love with the marathon? Is it, are you still loyal to the 10 K? I really love, um, the big city marathons, like the excitement mm. of it, but I think mm -hmm. the event itself, I'm still like trying to like wrap my head around mm. how you race a marathon. Cause so much of it is you just have to stay within yourself. And I'm used to just kind of going with the pack and fighting it out and seeing what happens. Um, so I think I'm still favoring the shorter events because I love that part. Um, you know, the 5K is just the first, probably one of the first races I did was a road race 5K mm. with my dad. So I think that's still my favorite. It's just so comfortable of a distance to me, even though nowadays it's a little too fast for me. But I still just love, <laughs> like, you go out there, you know, three miles, like, it's just everyone knows the 5K. It's just very um, comfortable and fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and excitement, you can bottle up enough excitement to get through 5K. To, yes. uh, yeah, to, to string excitement out over 26.2 <laughs> is a little harder. Yeah, 26.2 is a it's a different sport, I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's awesome. Okay, so, so Molly, I'm going to assume that you watch at least part of the two Olympic Games that have taken place during the pandemic. Um, is, is that accurate to say that? Yes, we did yeah. watch. Yes, more yeah. of the summer games, more more track than anything else. But yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as an Olympic athlete, what thoughts run through your mind as you watched the people, you know, those athletes compete in nearly empty stadiums? Because for me, just watching the recent Winter Olympics. I think it's because I'm a mom and I just thought, oh, it's so sad that the athlete's parents can't be there to watch them and celebrate with them and, or, or, you know, cry with them or whatever it is. I mean, as an Olympic athlete yourself, what runs through your mind as you watch those? Yeah, I was definitely thinking um, just what a strange scenario that these athletes had to go through uh, to get there safely. I mean, I had a little bit of a glimpse because some of our some of the women I train with and are close to made the team in the summer. And so I saw all the, t the COVID testing and the protocols. And um, it's really, there was a lot of stress, I think, on the athletes going into the games around trying to make sure COVID doesn't derail your Olympic dreams, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even before that, there was stress with training venues being closed and we weren't sure what races to do. So I just kind of watched everyone knowing that, like, they really had to navigate a lot of unknowns and mm -hmm. stress and kind of putting themselves into a bubble. And, and then again, when you get there, it's, it's totally different than the normal Olympic experience. Um, you know, some people might have kind of preferred the quieter, like crowd mm -hmm. environment. Just, it, it can be mm -hmm. over. I remember my first Olympics in London, it was overwhelming to me, mm -hmm. the crowd. Mm -hmm. Like I just, like never in, I was just like, there's so much human energy being like thrown at me right now with <laughs> cheers and photos. And like, it's like shaking the air. Like I, I have oh. never felt this before. Wow. Um, Rio was a little more subdued. So it was like perfect. But some people thrive off that. You know, I talked to a triple jumper the other day um, and she, for our podcast, and she was saying, I like to get the crowd stirred up with clapping. And like, I couldn't do that. You know, it was just quiet in there. So it was hard. Um, so I was just definitely thinking like, you know, anyone who had a great day at one of these Olympics, like, wow, I don't know how they navigated all these like crazy unknowns that you could never be prepared for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So changing lanes here, uh, stepping away from running for a moment, you just had the publication of a book. So congratulations on that. Um, we're wondering how did the idea for the book come to you and your co-author, Sarah? Yeah, thank you. We're excited about it. It's been about two and a half years in the making mm -hmm. or two years, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah came to me with the idea back in December of 2019. So I was, I know Sarah Slattery from our days in college, racing against each other. And also I spend a lot of time down in Arizona training in the winter and that's where she is from and she lives there and coaches there now so I had just gotten down there and I was getting ready for the trials build up and she called and was saying hey like you know we've seen a lot in the news about Mary Kane's story uh, mm -hmm. in the New York Times just about it brings up a lot of issues that are wrong with girls sports and just how a lot of girls don't you know there's a lot that derails them and mm -hmm. part of it is just sports are still a world made, you know, 
by men for men at a lot of the leadership levels like coaching and beyond and we're just seeing little ways that have big impacts in derailing a girl in sport um, whether it's not understanding how young female athletes bodies change and work trying to work with them rather than against them whether it's um, you know abusive coaching practices there's just all these ways that we saw and wanted to put together a project that would kind of like condense all the good successful stories of track and field and sort of crowdsource that advice for these girls um, for Mm -hmm. girls coming up in the sport and and that's kind of how sarah explained it to me and i remember thinking you know what like i actually had uh i didn't have a team when i was younger in high school and in college i think i was maybe missing some people to look up to but once i got to providence rhode island as in my professional career, I did have women to look to who set good examples. And so in a way we could create that with this book for young girls too. Like this could be your team of like pros who know what they're doing that you can kind of like, you know, get advice from. So we both kind of talked about that idea and really wanted to to go forward with it. And uh, we put together a proposal and luckily like, you know, some people thought it was a good idea and supported us and, we got to work on getting interviews from all these amazing women that we know and have raced against. And, you know, the rest of the time has been just kind of shaping it up until now. So it's been cool to get the book and we're really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. So how did you go about selecting who you would interview or, or coming up with the questions to ask them? So the questions was, wasn't as difficult. You know, we sat down and basically wanted to do an hour long um, like Zoom interview with each of the women. And we came up with 12 questions that were basically like trying to stimulate the conversation around, you know, struggles they've had in their career, how they got over them, who helped them, what they would tell themselves now, that kind of a um, topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a few side stories like, you know, can you tell us a funny story? Can you tell us your favorite workout? But the hardest part was definitely choosing who was in the book because you know, we just kept adding women like we, we wanted we wanted a really diverse background of women. Right. We wanted just we were, we're focusing on distance because that's just our specialty. But we wanted to talk to women from different countries and different backgrounds. And, um, you know, we just wanted someone that every girl could relate to. And so we ended up turning in, I think it was like 72 interviews. Wow. And our, our editor and it was an hour of of conversation so it was just like this book was like like 600 pages when we started <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and we had to we had to actually cut it in half um wow. and we couldn't do it like i like i kept adding people instead of cutting people so <laughs> we eventually had to have a friend uh scott douglas who's a great uh mm-hmm. writer like i worked with him at runner's world and we needed the outside influence to come in and say how about this this and this and mm-hmm. And we just kept negotiating with them and we were like, okay, but also don't forget this person. And we got it down to 50. Um, and basically we, we tried to pick sto- like some stories were um, kind of repeating the same themes. So we did try and, you know, make sure it was like one person represented a certain theme or um, mm-hmm. if one person's interview was just not very long and they weren't very talkative, like from some of the other countries we found we just had trouble with the language barrier and we had to thin Mm. those interviews out. Um, But we tried to, you know, make sure it was a good representation of women that, that, you know, a girl could see herself in at least Mm. one of these interviews. That was our goal. Mm. Mm. And what were some of the themes that popped out among the women? Um, I think a surprising theme to us was how few women these women are just like wildly successful like everyone in the book has made a world championship or olympic team um and a lot of them didn't specialize in running until kind of like late high school time frame um, Mm -hmm. mid to late high school time frame so we thought you know there's something to that um another theme in the book was um there were women who had sort of dealt with anxiety, like race day anxiety, even though they were really successful athletes. So mm-hmm. we were glad that, you know, we think that's a helpful theme. Mm-hmm. Um, some women had to deal with um, eating disorders and just like all the results of, you know, bone health and losing your period. So we know that's an important story to 
kind of get out ahead of for teenage athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so some things we expected to come up like that and some things we didn't expect, kind of like, you know, not specializing until a certain age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. So as you mentioned, you include advice and anecdotes from so many amazing women. I mean, Joan Benoit Samuelson, Dina Castor, Shalane, Alicia Montano, Molly Seidel, um, and more. So are there one or two standout anecdotes that really just pop into your mind when you think about the book? I think for me, um, the two I keep coming back to are, well, both of the mother-daughter interviews I love. Um, so we did Shalane with her mom, Cheryl, and we, who was a pioneer in running, Cheryl Torgi. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then we did Ailish McColgan and her mom, Liz, who coaches her now and also was, you know, world champion in the 10K. So I thought those were cool dynamics and it was just great to hear, you know, kind of how the running world was or the running world had to be created by their parents <laughs> so that the girls could actually have a sport to thrive in and then all the lessons that they knew just from being good athletes themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought those were really cool. And then um, Hazel, I was talking a lot about Hazel Clark's. Uh, 800 meter runner Hazel Clark's race anxiety because you would never like if you watch her race you would never guess she was nervous like she just looked like you know stone cold had success made the Olympic team and under like extremely high pressure circumstances um and then she talks about that oh no I actually I had race anxiety and I I didn't enjoy racing and Mm. she you know thinks that's important to kind of like take the taboo away from that because even if you look like you have everything under control, it could still be hurting your performance. She thinks she could have run faster and enjoyed it more. So I, I just found that one really surprising, but also really helpful. I, I have to say you're talking about race anxiety. I remember um, when I would watch the Olympics, I mean, it still sometimes happens to me. I always feel so nervous for the athletes, whether it's a swimming standing there on the starting blocks or, you know, the, the runners lining up and as if it as if my life matters on what their result is but i think so much about what what the anxiety they must be feeling so it's intriguing to me that to hear that only some athletes feel that like i mean what what do you feel when you're there in the starting blocks i think everyone feels it at some point in their career you just learned most people learn to manage it by that level um and like i'm a coburn in the book talked about having you know, race anxiety in high school to the point where she would drop out of races all the time. And, and now she, you Mm. know, she's got one of the most level heads I've seen on a runner Mm. when you watch her race. Uh Um, So you just kind of learn to manage it, you learn to reframe the scenario, you know, I think a lot of it's just pressure you put on yourself for seeing things kind of in a distorted way, you know, avoiding failure and focusing too much on that can cause anxiety. And so we talked to, um, my friend, training partner, and uh, licensed mental health therapist, uh, Roisin McGettigan in the book for tips uh-huh. on mm-hmm. managing race anxiety. And she gives some great um, kind of like tips and ways to reframe it and methods of kind of like quieting that race day anxiety. Like, mm. you know, reminding yourself it's a choice to be there and kind of mm-hmm. zooming out and realizing, you know, it isn't a big deal, but you do want to do well and zooming back in and kind of focusing on the details. So um, there's lots of little tips like that. Oh, good, good. I think we can all benefit from that. So on a completely different note, you are very far into pregnancy. I think you are around week 32 or week 33. And yep. how has your running gone so far? What I, I think I've gathered from your Instagram that you're still running, but it looks like you're doing some other things. So tell us more about that. Yes. Yeah. I'm like out of breath as I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder if they can tell it's like hard to breathe. Um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind of, there's not a ton of uh, information on how to like train through pregnancy in the sports world. So Um, I've kind of been, I've really been 90% of the time. I just feel it out and see what I feel like doing and make sure everything feels basically fairly easy. But I also have been talking to some of my friends who've gone through this already and that's been helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been running like maybe 30 miles a week, basically Mm -hmm. the, uh, half the pregnancy before that, I think I was able to do 50 to 40 miles a week. And, um, I was able to do kind of like 
bits and pieces of miniature workouts up until a couple months ago. And then we had to kind of slow that down. And now I'm just like getting an hour of exercise a day, whether it's like an elliptical mm -hmm. or elliptical run mix. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. But I feel pretty good. Like I haven't had any, um, you know, like aches or pains in my hip, like ligament area, which is good. I know that can mm -hmm. happen. And mm -hmm. yeah, just kind of focusing on like, getting like regular exercise, not really training at this point, other than um, some physical therapy stuff I'm doing in the gym. Mm, nice, nice. So what sort of modifications have you been making to your running along the way? I, I read on Instagram that you, as you said just now, you've you know talked to your friends who are already moms about what they did. And that um, I read that you've been adding hill repeats um, into your workouts. Yeah, that's something I never would have guessed, but I've talked to a few women who like liked having the hill reps in there for heart if you wanted to try and do a little bit of a workout and also kind of like well, it's also a little bit of a muscular workout, um, but you save the pounding. So uh -huh. I've done a couple of those. I usually keep my reps short nowadays just because it feels um, – too hard. Like, I feel like I'm just working too hard to do mm. like mile repeats and things like that. And, uh, I keep everything under like a minute, but I did, um, some hill reps where I walked down the hill because running downhill actually doesn't feel so great. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Running, if you can do it on a treadmill or like, I just wanted to get outside that day. Um, yeah, hill reps were good. It kind of was like a little less impact than you know, sprinting around a track or something. So that was, that's something I wouldn't have known before. Mm -hmm. So, and, um, how about your strength training? I, um, again, looking at Instagram, it, um, looks like you've been, um, I have to say it going strong with your weights during your pregnancy. Yeah. I think that's one area where you can just, you can kind of maintain things, at least for me, like I don't lift very heavily and, um, I was working, I'm working with a, great physical therapist, Jess Dorrington, just via Zoom. Um, and she knows so much about pelvic floor, you know, strengthening and what to look for and what you're going to have to rehab after you have the baby. Mm -hmm. So she's been guiding me with a lot of the modifications and stuff um, on my core routine. Um, because you do, you know, we started off trying to work basically pelvic floor, transverse abdominal area, but as it gets stretched out, you have to modify the exercises, basically mm -hmm. the bigger you get. So that's been really helpful um, to have her do that. And then um, just, yeah, trying to keep some glute strength and um, postural strength because your posture just changes so much when you're pregnant. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been working a lot on that and uh, trying to get that in two or three times a week. Nice. Do you have plans for returning to running postpartum? And, and even, even racing? I do. I do have plans. I'm trying not, I mean, I'm trying not to put them in concrete. Like I want to be at this race, but I do want to try and do a fall marathon. Um, mm. I'm supposed, my due date's the end of April. So that gives me a long time. Mm -hmm. And I would love to do some racing before that in the summer, some road races. I just, I don't know what I'll be ready for. So much mm -hmm. depends on how things go. Um, so just going to kind of feel that out you know, in the summer, but, um, that would be my long-term goal would be, be to try and do a fall marathon. And have you talked to other pro runners in particular about it? Like I think of Kara or Carrie Tolefson, who I know, um, I saw that great picture of you racing behind her. Um, I think it was maybe at London on your Instagram account, but I think of Carrie because I think she did, um, Twin Cities marathon, maybe three or four months after giving birth to her, her, I think third child. So do you chat with, with your cohorts? I do. Yeah. I've been talking with, um, I talked to Carrie for a little bit out when I saw her at the high school footlocker champs. And then, uh -huh. so that was good to get, get a little bit of advice. And then, um, mostly from like my two friends, Kim Smith and Roshin McGettigan here in town, uh -huh. um, both have, have kids and have come back and, um, so it's great to hear from them and Alicia Montano as well. I'd mm -hmm. say those and Alfie Tillamook too always responds when I send her a message. So nice. those have kind of been my go-tos so far, but everyone yeah. has such a different experience. I do think there's been a lot of commonalities with sort of like trying to avoid um, like SI joint and hip stress fractures. 
um, oh. while you're trying to breastfeed and come back. So that's something I'm really, you know, being going to try and be careful of because I think that's one thing that came up a lot with um, some of the comeback stories that you see. Really? I haven't heard that from about, uh, you're saying, among pro-women racers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People, wow. It's people who are, who are really trying to keep a tight timeline, you know, due to... Mm -hmm. perhaps because they have to because it's in a contract or something like that. So just going to keep yeah. an eye out for trying to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. Give yourself grace. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we can't let you go without asking about something else that I read on your wiki page. It says, Huddle is also credited in part for the creation of the female runner emoji along with her former training partner. Um, and you'll say her name better than I will. Um, Roshin. Yes. Roshin. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, what, what, what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I get asked about that a lot and I don't know how directly responsible we are, but we did, this was a long time ago. This was like, this might've been 2015, 2016 timeframe before they had the um, female running emoji. It was just the guy, he wasn't even really running. He was like walking in jeans on my <laughs> On my Apple keyboard anyway. Um, and I just, I was talking to one of my high school friends and she was running a 5k on the weekend. And then she was like, oh, we, she sent me the little guy. And I, she was like, we really need like a girl running. And I was like, oh, we really do. How? And then I just went, I was on my break from running. So I was like bored. And I just Googled like how emojis even get decided upon. And uh -huh. um, it was interesting. There's like a whole proper, um, consortium that decides sort of like symbols and graphics and yeah, what gets yeah. added to it's the Unicode consortium. So I was like, Oh, this is interesting. You can actually submit a proposal for new, mm. you know, it could be an emoji or it could be another character in the English language. So, um, you had to have it designed. And so I, I went, you know, Roshin and I both typed up like this submission, like it's basically just like, what are the stats around women's running? Why would we use this? Why is it needed? Mm. And her husband is a graphic designer, so he designed like a little emoji for us to put in. <laughs> um, and we sent it in, but it wasn't until like a year later that they they got around to it. So I don't know if it was us or if they were going to put one in anyway. But um, I did go through the official channels. <laughs> yeah. No, you need to take you take credit for that. You know, you show those teen girls who are reading your book that, that you made that happen. So <laughs> yes, and emojis have just become such a part of our, you know, online world now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, for particularly for the younger set. I mean, sometimes it's like, wait, how are we supposed to even, is that really reading if it's all just pictures? <laughs> are we going back to cave drawings? So, exactly. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Molly, we, we wish you much success with, with your book and the baby. Very exciting um, times for you this spring. So uh, best of luck to you. Yeah, thanks so much. Wow, an exciting spring she has indeed. This is um, two babies coming out into the world, the book and the baby. Oh, um, so please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. By subscribing, it means our show automatically downloads, so it's ready to go when you are. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Mm -hmm.